Welcome to the Pursuit of Growth show. My name is Sammy Gonzalez, one of the co-founders of the Pursuit of Growth. I have along with me my good buddy, co-author, co-founder, co-everything, I think, uh, Greg Brinkley. He's over, uh, I guess, right here on my side, the other way. And our special guest today is Kara Brown. I'm going to let Greg introduce her. So Greg, great to see you. Kara, great to see you. Yes, great to be here, Kara. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you tonight? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Always good. So I have a introduction to give Kara, and I've got to preface this by saying this is pretty powerful. So listen to this. And I'm actually going to read this because there's no way that I can memorize this and then just say it back to you. Kara Brown is an analytical, strategic, and results-driven sales professional with a focus in SaaS technology startups and small, small businesses. She is an Ironman 70.3 world championship athlete with a passion for fitness, health, learning, the University of Michigan, go blue, as well as making those around her successful. If that's not an introduction, I don't know what is. Kara, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Yeah, you bet. I wasn't sure if you'd say the GoBlue or not, so I'm glad you did. <laughs> well, you know what? It's in your bio. I've got to say it. So, uh, but you know, of all that introduction, the thing that really jumps out at me is Kara Brown is an Ironman 70.3 World Championship athlete. I know very few people in my life that can claim that. And so, my first question to you is, what started your journey to becoming a triathlete? Uh, yeah. So. Actually, one of my good friends, you guys know, Lauren Halsey, um, she did her first Ironman, I think six years or so ago. And uh, I went out to watch in Santa Rosa. And, you know, as I was watching, I was just like, man, I need to do something like that. <laughs> it's not like, not that, just something like that. I'll start small. Um, and, you know, I grew up playing soccer, basketball. Um, swimming, et cetera. And I'm just very competitive inherently. So um, I really miss that competitive outlet. Um, I played soccer um, competitively in high school, like club soccer and did some in, in college too. And afterwards I'd play here and there. I'd run, I love working out. So I was like, you know, I really miss having a goal to be working out towards instead of just being fit. Um, I miss that competition element. So um, I think it was a couple months after that I signed up for my first, it's called a sprint triathlon, so it's a shorter distance. Um, I actually won my age group, um, nice. that one. Yeah, it was just, you know, up like North Dallas area and it was a lot of fun and Warren, um, watched me as well as a couple of their friends. So did that and then, um, did a couple more sprints and then I actually did my first, um, 70.3, which is a half Ironman, uh, technically. Um, in Galveston, I think about four years ago. And long story short, I was like coaching myself, doing my, I had no idea about nutrition at all. And I was like, eh, it doesn't really matter, even though you're like, you know, going 70 miles. Um, and so that race, I had, I actually had like an asthma attack in the water. So I, it's in, it's in obviously Galveston. So it's in that Gulf, which is not the cleanest water. And it's also salt water. So I ingested a lot of salt water and um, anyways, finished that, got on the bike and I, I started, you know, biking and everything. I was like, man, I do not feel good. 
And so I ended up like throwing up three times on the bike, um, just like water, because I wasn't really eating anything. And I was like drinking noon, which has like no calories and stuff on it. Mm. So <laughs> I was literally like biking and then like puking. <laughs> <laughs> and then I get to the run and you know, it's a three loop course and it's a half marathon. So you've got 13 miles in front of you. And so I'm, I do the first two laps and I'm going into that third lap and I see a couple of friends. And I'm like, oh my God, this sucks. I feel awful. And so, you know, I, I, I think I had like two miles left and I just black out. Um, I don't really remember anything, but I guess the EMT told me this after I like walked up to the, there was like a med tent nearby and I was like not making any sense. So they were just like, she's really dehydrated. And mm -hmm. so they like carted me over to the big med tent, woke up, had like ice packs all over me, an IV. Um, and they took my temperatures like 104. So, you know, a couple days after that, I ended up in the hospital because I got rhabdomyolysis or rhabdo for short, which is basically like you you go to the point where your muscles are starting to like break down and your body, like your kidneys and your liver just can't process it. So they start to like shut down. Um, so yeah, so that, that was my first half Ironman experience is a little expensive. And, um, and then I signed up for another one, but I was like, <laughs> coach. I, really, so, I want to pause you here because I think Sammy and I really want to explore the story that you just shared in so okay. many different ways. So the first thing I think for the audience, I'd love you to share what exactly makes up that race that, that you did. Um, mm -hmm. what, are the, what are the elements and the distance of it? And then talk a little bit. You said that you really didn't do a lot of, of training or nutrition. Um, and we'll get into what you've learned from that and, and what you do now. But share what you did leading up to that event. And, um, and I think Sammy's got some questions we want to follow up with, but I think this is, this is a fascinating story. Yeah, sure. Um, so the 70.3 Ironman is a 1.2 mile swim. It's a open water swim. So you're swimming around buoys and stuff. Um, it's a 56 mile bike ride and then it's a 13.1 a mile run. So a half marathon. So it's 70.3 miles total. Um, yeah. That's amazing. So, yeah, so tell, tell, walk us through, again, this is the first one you've ever done, uh -huh. and you've already alluded to that you didn't really put in probably the appropriate type of training plan to go into it, but what did you do? Because I think for the average person listening to this that, that may even be fit and in shape and working out, that is a big, big, big uh, accomplishment to go after something like that. So talk to us about how you prepared for this race. And I think that's going to lead us into what you learned from it. And then again, how you've grown and, and, and changed and pivoted. Yeah. So honestly, what I did is I found a training plan online. Um, I can't remember where off the top of my head. I think it was some coach that I found, like a you know professional coach. And they had some template of a um, training plan. And so I followed that. So I actually did. I did do all the work. Um, that's just something about me, right? Like if it's on the, if it's on the to-do list, I'm going to do it. So, but I didn't understand like the whole, um, philosophy of it. So I would move stuff around and not understand, like, you know, you shouldn't bike and run, you know, within two hours of each other, which is called like a brick workout, like all the time you should, you know, if, if you have a morning workout and an evening workout, there's a reason for that. You know, you, you need that recovery um to to do that 
Um, but it was more like the nutrition thing. I didn't even, I, I was like, oh, I'll do, oh, I also was like trying to do keto. Um, cause you know, I was trying to lose weight too. And I'm like, oh, like do a low carb, like Ironman build. And like for, especially for women, like that's not okay. Typically. So that's a whole nother story. But so I was like, oh, like I don't really need to eat that much. Like it's fine. And I didn't understand like the whole importance of the electrolytes and like carbohydrates as part of the fuel um, that you really need and, you know, protein synthesis and all this stuff um, and how like fiber, you know, impacts your, your gut through, throughout exercise and stuff. So, um, so yeah, so I, I would say I probably, and I like, I didn't know how hard to, I also, so another thing that I actually recently learned is really taking your easy days easy right so taking your easy days easy like really easy kind of uncomfortable when you've got like an ego of like oh i can run this pace but it's like no it's like a minute or so slower because you need that recovery and also like when you're running in a race and you can't hold a certain pace because of your heart rate or whatever you need you need to be able to run at a slower pace so the mechanics need to be there too so you know, I was doing kind of the same pace for like my easy days and my hard days and stuff. So that way you're like, you're not actually getting better. Um, so just those kind of elements. I also didn't understand the benefit of recovery and taking a day off and, you know, eating as part of your recovery program and what you should be, you know, fueling your body with after workouts, that kind of stuff to help, you know, with your muscles kind of rebuild and, and be able to take on, you know, another work workload for the next day. So yeah, it's pretty interesting because when Greg and I were talking about this the other day, mm -hmm. just in, in, you know, thinking about you and about uh, really your transformation from that story that I think we knew about, but I didn't know the, the intense details about that. I know about Rabdo. Like, I've, I've heard of it. I was like, so that, yeah. I, I told Greg, I was like, I think she might have had Rabdo. And yeah. I, was like, I hope <laughs> not because that's some serious stuff. Um, yeah. so but that's it was amazing. like, it was when I was in the hospital and they like, they had to weigh me on the bed and I was literally 10 pounds heavier than I like, had ever weighed. And I was like, there's no way that is my weight. But I was, my body was just like holding on to all the water. So I was just so puffy mm. and it was, it was a mess. Wow. Yeah. And and I, had to, I had to take like two or, well, I, they told me to take a month off of working out, but obviously I didn't do that. So I did like two weeks, but yeah. So that's actually going to lead me into my next question. I, and I was thinking about this because you made a statement in there that I think that holds true. And, I, and we won't go too far past the, the Ironman stuff. But you said that if it's on your to-do list, then you're like, you're on it. You know, you're like, okay, it's going to get done. Where do you think that comes from? What, what's in your background? What, I know you said you played competitive sports and all that, but is it, where have you nurtured that throughout your life? Um, you know, I've always been like a gold star. I've, if you, I've done like the strengths finders, like the achievers, like I have, I score very high in that. Mm. I love like achieving. Right. So for me, if I can check off boxes, like that's makes me feel accomplished. Um, so like, I mean, if you look at my planner and my calendars and stuff, I had my whole day kind of like mapped out and like my meetings, my workouts, you know, what, what nutrition I would be hitting that day. And I, you know, check everything off, you know, just to like keep me in line and in focus too. 
Um, so I think part of it's my personality. I'm pretty type A. Um, I'm all, I think I was also very much a perfectionist. I, I'm not as much, I try to not be um, now just because of me, it's just not life-giving. Um, but part of that is like, all right, I'm like always internally scoring myself, right? So for me, if I have all these to-dos and I get them done, like I had a great day. Mm. Um, not necessarily that's not how I, I try to not only focus on that now, but that's how I used to be. Um, but overall, in terms of just to-do lists, and like that's also just, I have a lot going on. So that way I'm, make, I'm making sure that I'm not dropping balls anywhere. I mean, people at work are like, your notes are insane. And like, you know, they're just, I'm like, I have to keep track of everything. Otherwise I can't, I won't remember everything. So that's yeah. just a, how I can be successful. That's just a, a system that I have to do in order to um, perform at my highest level. You know, I've, I've been like that too, because I've, uh, I take extensive notes and like I even have like shorthand little like arrows that mean certain things. And like, I've yeah. developed this whole like crazy system um, of like my notes to where if you pick it up and I write in cursive, so that's one bad thing. Okay. <laughs> so, if, so, and the reason You're why, the yeah, I am the one, but one of the things about it is I've, I learned, well, one, we learned how to write cursive in school, but I learned I could write faster in cursive. Yeah, then true. I can't imprint. So I, I'm moving and I can go. But if anyone ever picks up my notes, they're like, I don't know what you're like, I, is this about. English? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that that you hit on something there, too. And something that Greg and I talk a lot about in the book that we put together. It really it's an action manual. It's it's an opportunity for someone to they can pick up the book and pick up the system and then say, like, OK, at least I have a framework. Um, to understand how to number one achieve goals set goals you know set your desires and that kind of stuff too mm -hmm. but I think that's a really key point that you put down like finding your system you know you've found your system you have to write it down you've got to have that or else you might drop a ball and you want to you know, be a high achiever as well so I think it's just key that again like so many people have so many different systems and so many ways of, of just accomplishing tasks that I think sometimes it's just literally as easy as just taking a pen and, and writing it down. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, and Sammy, I'll, two things that I'll share is one, outside of my name, I don't know that I can write anything in cursive. <laughs> I think it's been that long since I've actually uh, attempted that. Um, and Kara, you and I are very similar, and, and I recently did a Gallup Strength Finder, and my number one strength was achievement. And so a lot of things that you just shared is identical to the way that I go about things. And, and in terms of my list, I'll even write down just the tasks that I have to do for the day, the big goals that I have to do for the day and the things I want to do for fun. They become yeah. part of my list. And then I just get this like dopamine hit when I check off every one of those little things. Mm -hmm. And then it helps me at the end of my day to sit back and reflect on what I did and feel gratitude for it. And it just kind of gives me this like, this energy and this excitement about my day, which has been really cool. Um, but kind of going back a little bit into uh, the story you were sharing. So you've had this, this setback. Um, so you did not finish your first competition, your first 70.3 um, uh, race. You're in the hospital. Mm -hmm. You already alluded to, you took two weeks off and you started training again. Walk us through your mindset of you've, you've had a major life scare. How do you go from that moment to, okay, I'm going to take this on again, but what sparked you to do it differently and how did you do it differently moving forward? 
Yeah, good questions. So, and part of why I got rhabdo is I'm very determined and probably a little stubborn. <laughs> so I was like, I am finishing, right? Yeah. And it happened and then I got rhabdo, so. <laughs> and I guess um, it, might, it might help. Well, could you explain what rhabdo actually is? I know we kind of, we, we danced around a little bit, but can you kind of give the general overview of what that is? Yeah, so in layman's terms, my best ability of understanding, um, it typically happens with endurance athletes or CrossFit athletes. And what it is, is basically you're working so hard that your muscles start to break down very quickly and rapidly. And also you get into a state of dehydration. So your body can't process all of, basically all the toxins that you're, you're creating through that that breakdown process and so then your kidneys go into overload and so the way that you know is it's I think it's called your CK levels or something but you do a blood test and um, that was kind of funny I, I went to the 24-hour clinic and they're like your levels are so high that our labs cannot read them and I was like oh <laughs> great wow. can I stay here like no you have to go to the hospital I'm like, okay <laughs> awesome get the ambulance cool so that's that's to the best of my ability like that's I'm totally butchering it but basically that's what it is right um, and so like it's like I wasn't I was throwing I was throwing up from you know all the salt water I wasn't eating anything I was dehydrated so it's just like your body's just like shutting down but sure so so again you go from that state right to uh -huh. then saying okay now I'm going to continue with this so Tell us, talk us about your mindset and then what you did differently moving forward and, and share some of the success you've had since. Yeah, so I was determined to finish one, um, but I also wanted to do it well. Um, you know, anything I do, I'm not just going to do it to do it. That's also partially why I started small with the triathlons. So I'm like, I want to be able to knock each kind of level to a place where I feel comfortable getting to that next level. Still getting out of your comfort zone, but feeling like, all right, I've mastered this, now I can go to the next level. Um, <clears throat> so luckily one of my friends, um, her boyfriend, who's now one of my good friends as well, um, her boyfriend at the time, they're now married, um, he was getting, he had a coach. And so he was actually super sweet. Re reached out to me on Facebook, was like, hey, I heard like what happened. Um, I think you could like, do great. I want to introduce you to my coach. I'm like, oh yeah, that'd be great. Because at that point too, I'm like, all right, I clearly don't know what I'm doing and I want to do this and I don't want this result again. So why not invest in a coach and see where this goes? So I met with my, my she's still my coach, Chelsea, um, for coffee. And I had like these lists of questions and she was just like, I'm sure she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, so talk through it, you know, figuring out like her coaching style and stuff. Um, we're actually like great friends, really good friends now, one of my best friends. So um, yeah, so I started, you know, getting into that and, and um, she has, you know, about 10 or so athletes that she'll coach at a time, give or take, depending on the season. And um, so I started training with her in that group. And I mean, they're, and she's a phenomenal athlete. I mean, she's gone to Kona, which is the world championship for Ironman, which is very hard to get to. Um, she's like qualified five or six times, like just a wow. great athlete. And so um, being able to train with, you know, those people um, who are at a higher level um, is humbling and also just like really rewarding. 
Um, so I was able to get into that, get a good system down, um, started to kind of, nutrition was still like not a huge focal point, but I started to look into that more and understanding like how important that was. Um, and then, yeah, and then, you know, I think I had her for like six months, six months and did um, an, a half Ironman in Austin and that went well, finished, didn't have any issues really. So, so yeah, so now I've been doing it for, I think this is three and a half years. Yeah. How many races have you run? Um, for 70.3s, I think I've done, so what's actually cool too, so I did Galveston, um, big Galveston that first year, got Rabdo, did it the next year, it was fine. The following year, that's actually where I qualified for Nice. So it's kind of cool to be like two years later after getting Rabdo, I qualified for Worlds at that race. So, nice. and that race was crazy because a storm blew in. So luckily I'd finished the run and like literally two minutes later, this like massive storm blew in and they had to cancel the race after. So that was a whole thing, but yeah. Share a little bit about you, you, you kind of just jumped over. Yeah, so two years later I finished it and then qualified for Worlds and you know, no big deal. Like, let's go back, hold on. So what was the feeling like when you would go back to Galveston, the place where you literally had this pretty traumatic episode? What did it feel like to finish? And then talk to us about what does it mean to qualify for Worlds? Yeah, so I mean to finish and I finished in I think the top 10 of my age group and um, it was of just like, it was great. I mean that it was it was also it was a lot going on just because of the storm and everything where you're just I mean it's just I didn't I don't think I really got to fully appreciate it. Um, but it was you just like across the line and so it's gratitude, right? You're like, wow, like I put in all this work you know, there's always things where you're like, oh, I could have done this better, you know, whatever, but that's kind of the beauty of the sport too. And I think of being an athlete, right? You always have opportunities for improvement. Um, so just kind of taking it in and honestly, so typically with a race, you know, the day of, if you qualify or not, um, the way it works is based on how many athletes are in your age group um, and your, your gender age group, you have a certain amount of what they call slots. And so the slots are determined on, you know, they look at the entire race based on, you know, age groups that have higher or higher amounts of participants, they have more slots, you know, it's broken down like that. And so I think we had like three slots from age group. And um, because the race got canceled <clears throat> so with the storm, they, we didn't have like the award ceremony after. So it actually took two weeks for me to find out that I had qualified, which I'm like on pins and needles because the way they had to do it is basically it's called roll down. So if first, second, third, if they don't want their slots, they say no, it gets passed on to the next people. So they like, it took them a while to figure out the system and then everyone had like 24 hours to decide. So it's just like very arduous process. Um, and so, yeah. It was a, it was a lot. And then once I got it, I was just so excited. Um, cause that was just a goal that I had set out for myself the year before. Um, and it was just, it was, yeah, it was so awesome. And one of my good friends, um, who I trained with, she also qualified. So getting to go over there with her and, and my parents ended up going, um, it was just such an awesome experience, especially now, you know, with 2020 being what it is um it's like I'm so glad I took that opportunity to go and do something like that and um yeah so 
I think I've talked to, you mentioned our mutual friend, Lauren. Um, yeah. She said that there was a, is there a difference in the styles that y'all run or a different type of race that you run? Or is it, maybe I misheard her when we talked about that one point in time, or all the, the Ironman's the same? Um, so that's the half Ironman. Um, Lauren's also done full Ironman, which I was supposed to do Santa Rosa, the full this year. And that got um, pushed to next year because of COVID and also with all the fires, there's no way that that would have happened anyways. Um, so I'm doing a full Ironman in Coeur d'Alene, um, Idaho next year in June. Wow. Um, so I, that's different, but, but she also races the 70.3s. And so it's we're, that's the same for those kind of races. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You've, you've touched on this a lot and uh, about health and wellness and fitness and but and then also you've been touching on diet too and that's something that i'm really big on is health and wellness and diet as well so i want to kind of transition into that phase of things and you know greg and, and i and, and you were talking a little bit before we started recording about the fact that you've kind of started this more side business about helping other people with their diet so tell us a little bit about that yeah so actually when i got back from nice um I started doing a marathon build and I just, I had this challenge where I just couldn't lose weight. And like, I eat very clean and like super healthy. Um, and I couldn't figure it out. So luckily Chelsea, my coach referred me to a nutritionist who she had worked with, um, down in Austin, um, Kim Eagle, who she's awesome. Um, and I started working with her, um, through my marathon build and, I also was having a lot of GI issues and stuff and I just couldn't figure it out. So she helped me basically reassess, retweak my diet. So I was like not eating enough carbs, um, you know, still right. And eating, and eating like way too much sugar sometimes. Um, and then not just like timing of proteins. And she actually forced me to actually eat before exercising, which I, was not doing at all. Um, and sometimes I, I get a little lax on that now and I, I'm like, oh, I need to get back into that. Um, it's actually good for you. Um, <laughs> so she just helped me like really, and she's also all about whole foods, right? She does not take any supplements, no protein powders, nothing. I like to incorporate some protein powders just because sometimes it's like really hard to get all the protein I need to get in. Um, but that really catalyzed my, I already had an interest in nutrition. Um, I think over the past two or two and a half, three years, um, I'm a big podcast junkie. So I love like Ben Greenfield, um, um, Bulletproof, Dave Asprey, um, you know, a few others. I just love, I'm like, I'm always listening in my free time. I'm like researching or listening to podcasts related to nutrition and health and wellness. Cause I find it super fascinating. Um, and also it's like, I've really, I've been at a place where I just feel awful. And when you feel, when you realize your nutrition can help you feel a million times better, it's like, why would you not want to figure out how to optimize, you know, your, your fuel, your nutrition, um, to make you, you know, perform the best and also just feel great. So through all of that, and then through my experience with Kim, I was like, you know, I'm going to like kind of interesting, like getting into this. And then I got like, a, I think it was like a targeted ad on Instagram, honestly, um, that winter. Um, I think it was right after my 
uh, marathon or like during right around my marathon in December. And I started doing the hours before that. So it's called Precision Nutrition. Um, it's an online class. On, well, it's an online format. They also send you all the curriculum uh, yourself. And so I did uh, their level one certification program. Um, and yeah, so from that, you know, I did some test groups um, in the spring just to get some people and kind of get feedback and stuff. And then I've been just doing like private kind of coaching um, and really enjoying it. I mean, I've helped some people lose like over 20 pounds, you know, just by tweaking, um, well, A, getting them to track what they're eating, but also helping them like realize, you know, what, just how much like eating healthy and clean can really help them. And then also figuring out macros and um, caloric intake and whatnot. So, so yeah, so it's been a lot of fun. I mean, and if you're a good nutrition, well, I mean, my philosophy is more like, you don't want to have them, you know, for an extended period of time, right? You want to enable people to go and live their life. Um, so that's kind of the approach that I take to is, it's not all these drastic, you know, changes. I, I want it to be sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. I've got, I got a story, Kara. Yeah. I have a story and then a question. And so, okay. uh, you know, my history with food mm -hmm. is for the majority of my life, and especially in my adulthood, uh, the joke was that I ate like a sixth grader. And so <laughs> hardly any vegetables. I've been to your apartment. I think I <laughs> uh, uh, can know, agree with that. And it was just, you know, fast food, pizza, chicken fried steak, chicken strips. It was just, that was my diet. And I always had a high metabolism and my body is a classic ectomorph. You know, mm -hmm. I never gained a lot of weight. And so I never really incorporated health and wellness with what was going on the inside, but only, okay, I look like I'm okay on the outside. So things are good. Well, as I started getting into my mid thirties, um, I made some drastic changes that I that happened in phases but over the last 10 years my diet has gone from that childlike diet to a very clean vegetable based more limited protein really clean diet mm -hmm. and as a result of that I mean I preach to the world of just how different I feel the energy I have just my life is so much better because of yeah. my diet I will also admit that of everything that I'm learning, I still have so much more to learn and so many more things that I can continue to grow in. And recently, um, one of the things that I was reading about, especially with my body type and the, the lifestyle that I live, is I was not eating enough really good carbohydrates and I was eating way too much protein. Mm -hmm. And so over the last six months, I've really kind of changed that up. But the whole process of, of some of the stuff that I'm learning is, really there's not a one-size-fits-all diet and it's really customized based on our body types and our lifestyle and so many different things and i know sammy is well versed in, in health and wellness and diets but i'd love to hear your thoughts on when you work with people and you're coaching them how do you customize these plans specifically for people based on whether their background their size their age their lifestyle yeah i think a lot of it is looking at um their goals Right. So I think this is even something for me, you know, I'll put a, I want to be this number on the scale. And sometimes that, you know, that, that's a great goal, but also it's like, let's also look at your body composition, right? Like if you can drop 2% in body fat, but nothing changes on the scale, you, you still look significantly different. And maybe that's where your body wants to be. Um, <clears throat> so part of it's what, what their goals are. 
um, you know, men and women are very different. Um, they respond differently to different types of diets, right? Like men can typically do um, some keto. You want to kind of cycle off of keto. Obviously, I'm sure, Sammy, you know, um, just because your body does need some carbohydrates and it's just good to cycle overall um, just to kind of get your body out of um, that rhythm. But for women, they need to be careful with keto because um, our hormones are very sensitive to carbohydrate restriction and also just caloric restriction. Um, so whereas it kind of goes back to like our, um, you know, primal days, right? So men were the hunter gatherers, so they could go, they could starve and their bodies are going to get, you know, tighter, more muscular, it's, or not more muscular, but you know, their bodies are going to respond quote unquote better than a female's body who needs to reproduce. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of the background for that, but in terms of actually, you know, assessing, it's like looking at, again, their goals, gender, um, where they are currently, how active they are. A lot of it's just getting their activity up, making sure that they're exercising um, frequently enough. Um, also, I mean, a lot of it's, especially for a lot of females, it's making them feel okay eating carbs. Um, it's, and I, I get it. It's like society has been like, oh, carbs are bad. You know, we went from fat's bad to carbs bad to now, you know, fat's amazing and that's all you should eat. So it's like everything in moderation, right? So you need all of your macronutrients, which is fat, carbs, and protein. But you don't want to get way out of whack on one because your body needs all of them for a reason. Um, so it's figuring that out and then also just playing around with calories and, and really macros. Um, Typically, you'll put play around more with like the carbohydrate percentage, just because that can tweak your overall calories, um, just depending on what you're eating. Um, I also look at like sugar, so sugar and sodium. I mean, a lot of it too is if people are eating out a lot, it's really hard to lose weight because you're eating more calories than you think you are. Um, you're also getting a ton of sodium and I'm sure there's a ton of sugar in it too. So I really encourage people to cook at home, um, as much as they can and also limit the alcohol intake. Um, and also, I mean, I'm a big data nerd, so there's other things that I recommend to people. Um, there's, um, you can look at your DNA and so your genetics can also tell you like what you're predisposed to, um, in terms of if your body you know, this would create more muscle mass versus kind of um, the endurance muscle. Um, also, like if you would be better suited with a higher fat diet versus a higher carbohydrate diet, just depending on your genetics. But also, I've done some of that and sometimes I'm like, eh, I don't know if I fully agree with all this, but it's an interesting barometer. Um, there's also um, <clears throat> a company called Biome, which I think is super interesting. I've actually used them and they've helped a lot is that's testing your microbiome. Um, so your poo, <laughs> right? And it's interesting because it changes every 90 days or so, I think is what they say. So um, like for me, I was eating, you know, really healthy and stuff, but I was still having some like bowel issues and stuff. And so the foods that they highlighted that were inflammatory to my microbiome, I started to cut those out and then all my issues went away. Like, like oatmeal, oatmeal, maple syrup, like foods that I, you know, was, I was eating consistently, um, that are healthy. And I'm like, why am I having issues all of a sudden? It was just because my microbiome wasn't a fan of that for whatever reason. 
And so um, that's been a huge um, game changer for me as well. And yeah, so that is like the, the field of nutrition just keeps changing. And to me, it's also, it's kind of shocking to me that they don't focus on it so much in like the, in your medicine degree, because it's, I mean, you look at all these diseases and a lot of it can be cured with health or with um, Diet. nutrition. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because I'm, we're aligned on a lot of things and like I'm a data nerd as well. And, but I also listen to a podcast junkie too. So Dr. Peter, Peter Atia, um, Dave Asprey, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Ben Greenfield's great. Did you buy his book? He's got like that gigantic. Oh yeah. My sister got it for me for my birthday. And so I'll thumb through. I mean, it's like an encyclopedia. Yeah. It's, it's huge. Yeah. I haven't bought it yet. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Um, so I'll like, you know, every night or not every night, but every now and then I'll just like, all right, I'll read this section because it's also somewhat overwhelming, but it's like, all right, if I want to know more about this, I'll just like read this. So. And, and one of the things that I've, in, in my fitness journey, uh, we've, Greg and I have talked about this, I think on the show before too, but really, I think one of the things that helped me out so much was understanding that you have incredible control over what goes in here. And so um, I think learning that that's like one of the main, you are in control. And it took me a long time to understand that and to realize that, that I can make subtle changes um, throughout the course of my day or my week or whatever it is, then make a big impact over time. But I think you're right. You hit the nail on the head on like near tracking stuff. And then everyone's got their own flavor. Like I, I did... I've been keto low carb for seven years almost. Um, and I've lived that lifestyle and, you know, pretty active and, and pretty fit guy, but um, it's not for everyone either. You know, it's like, so everyone's kind of got their own flavor, but I think you, took, you said it right. It's like understanding yourself. What are your goals and, and what are you looking to do? Don't just always look at the scale. Um, it's really important to kind of really sit down and have that heart to heart with yourself, be it on a pen and paper, whatever it may be. Um, so I like that you brought that up because writing out those goals and determines what that next step and what that plan is, and then not feeling like you can't reach out for help. Um, that's a big mm-hmm. piece. So I'm glad you've taken that next level and like started helping other people along their fitness and their lifestyle journey too, because you're right. It's so important. Yeah. Yeah. It's been great. And, you know, part of it too is making sure you have a healthy relationship with food. I mean, that's a lot of it is kind of the psychology behind it too. Um, and people can get into really bad patterns, um, you know, either from restriction or binging or whatever, just because of their, um, relationship with food. So yeah, it's, it's a, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. I did a, uh, I wrote a blog post recently about the, uh, uh gut microbiome mm-hmm. and, uh, it was really more of an opportunity for me to just learn about it and then just to share what I learned. So I'm definitely not an expert. But some takeaways that I got from it was basically your gut and your brain are linked. Yeah. And your mood, your anxiety, your depression, your feelings, so much of mm-hmm. your attitude is linked to what you put in your stomach. And so yeah. if that right there doesn't inspire you to really want to strive to what Sammy said, be careful what you put in here um, because it's going to affect everything. And then when you look at your immune system, the, the mm-hmm. number one, uh, the number one in your entire body, the biggest part of your immune system is in your gut. And, and mm-hmm. I did not know that. And again, you look at what's going on in the world today with, with COVID-19, with just so many of the sicknesses and diseases, 
and you look at our country in America and why we're having such a tr uh, hard time with it, a lot of it can be um, attributed to the fact that as a whole, our society is a very unhealthy society in terms of our nutrition. And uh, I think one of those challenges, and this kind of leads me into my question, we live in a society that kind of going back to what I shared about how I lived my life is we're all about fast food and convenience and eating um, to, to fulfill our comforts and our desires. So things high in sugar, high in sodium, colas at every meal, um, candy, you know, as treats all the time, ice cream, anytime we want it. So my question is, we're living in a world where all these challenging aspects in terms of our nutrition just surround us. What are the habits that you teach the people you work with to help them to be able to cook at home, to be able to stay committed to a healthy diet and to make sure what they're eating is the right thing for them? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, a lot of it, I mean, it depends on the person, but a lot of what I found to be successful is like bulk, cooking on Sundays, right? So kind of meal prepping. Um, and, you know, you can only have food around for so long, but a lot of that's like just vegetables. So it's super easy to just cut up carrots, broccoli, whatever, put it in the oven for 30 minutes at 400. And you've got a bunch of vegetables for the week. So a lot of it's like just kind of prepping those healthier foods. Um, you know, if you create um, or like, cook uh, hard boiled eggs for like snacks or, you know, quick meals. Um, I'll also send them different recipes. So um, there's a lot of good resources for breakfast, like breakfast on the go. You can make these like quiche cups or um, breakfast burritos, whatever you've got. Um, I'm a huge fan of Greek yogurt. So being able to like just put yogurt and fruit and some nuts in there and go. Um, that's a lot of it. I think a lot of it too is people get so busy during the day and then they just eat way too much at dinner, right? So you're just like, you're kind of starving you to home. You're like, I'm eating everything. So it's also making them just get on a better schedule of, all right, you had breakfast, have a little snack before lunch if you need to. If not, like make sure you have some almonds or just kind of, I'm tr I try to also make sure they have like a carb, a fat, a protein at each meal, and, and sometimes the snacks are as a fruit fly. Um, but at least protein with every meal, right? So that way they're satiated. Um, so in terms of like those kind of hacks, that's big. Um, I know for me too, like not to promote one store over the other, but Costco honestly has great organic produce and organic foods. So it's super easy for, I know like me and a lot of my friends too, go shop there quick. Um, and you can, that way too, you're limiting your grocery stops. So that way you can have all your groceries for the next week or so with you, your family, whatever. And you, you've got like frozen fish can dethaw really fast. Um, so just like looking for those different things that can help cut time. Cause a lot of times too, I'll challenge them of time yourself of how long it actually takes you to cook. A lot of times, not as long as you think. And so if you compare that to going out and grabbing something or even ordering pizza and waiting for it, it's about the same amount of time. So it's kind of like a fate or kind of a false reality of like, oh, it's gonna save me so much time to do it. It's like, well, you're gonna spend your time some, you know, somewhere, someplace. And so you cooking dinner actually is a similar amount of time for what you're doing in that other situation if you're, if you're driving to go get it. So. 
it's just those kind of things yeah yeah i love that sammy and i have a saying that we say often it's it applies to so many different things it's called preparation equals separation oh yeah and uh, right. it, it all it, it all goes to what you're talking about you've got a plan if you're going to have a healthy mm -hmm. diet and you're going to follow these things you've got a plan in advance and you know we talk about it all starts with uh, you know the trip to the grocery store and what you're putting in your place and I love that. I've never heard someone say that, you know, when you look at the time, you know, fast food's not always fast. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point you made. Yeah. So obviously it depends what you're cooking, but right. <laughs> you can seven, seven course meal pretty easily. Yeah. 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 So, uh, thing too is like just helping them under, like you can make stir fry super fast, cut up vegetables, put in the stir, like the pan, cut up some meat. You're good to go. So yeah. I feel like there's also, even when you meal prep, there's something when you do it, you feel mm -hmm. an accomplishment and, and you've put that effort into doing it that you're, you're just, you're, you're encouraged throughout the week to utilize that because you put totally. the work in to do it. And so you have that commitment and you build that over time. It's a habit that I think really sticks mm -hmm. once people get in the process of doing it and they realize the work up front, like you mentioned doing it on Sundays mm -hmm. and that's the same process that I follow. And now it's just become a part of my Sunday afternoon and I'll put music yeah. on or I'll put a movie on and it's interacting. I'm doing stuff and Got a I chef hat on. Doing it. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right? <laughs> Little apron. Yeah. It says kiss yeah. me. I'm the cook or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But now, the thing too is like I grew up, my, my mom cooked basically every, every meal. So that's kind of how I grew up. I think that's a little bit too, because if you grew up with a family who always ate out, like, that's kind of what you know. So it's kind of restructuring your habits too. Um, but luckily, like my mom, I don't know how she did it because there was four of us. Hmm. But she cooked, you know, almost every meal or, or had something prepared. So. Yeah, I think even now with people that are so busy and so on the go, that that temptation is always there. And I mean, I'm a dad, I've got two young girls. And so even now with everything kind of locked down the way it is because of COVID, but even before that, just running from one thing to the next and like trying to give them healthy options, it's almost impossible. Like when you're, yeah. when you're on the go. So you have to really be prepared. You have to really think about it. And so luckily my kids are like vegetable they love all kinds of vegetables and all that kind of stuff too. Right. And so they've got healthy eating habits, probably just because we don't keep a lot of junk around the house, but that's, gosh, yeah, that's, that's the so key, right? Too. Yeah. Mm -hmm accessibility yeah, like so. i don't buy junk because if i want it then i have to go out and get it <laughs> yeah well, and kara that kind of brings me to to a little transition but i can imagine people listening to this and being like well wow this this kara is running 70.3 mile ironman races she's you know on top of her health and wellness and her nutrition and she's got time to do all these things but i've got a career and how can i balance that with a career and and still be able to accomplish these goals and so that leads me to my next question. I'd love for you to just share a little bit more about your career and how you balance all these things that you do and being very successful in the work that you do day in and day out. Yeah, um, so I'm the director of sales strategy at uh, Armor Cloud Security. Um, so kind of a high, like, hybrid role of I'm working with um, all of our sales teams, trying to understand, you know, from a strategy perspective, how can we optimize um, what we're doing with each of the groups and where do we have opportunities for improvement? Um, also, are there other channels that we should be looking at to help drive more revenue? 
also work cross-functionally with um, our product marketing team, marketing teams, um, finance, uh, product, et cetera, uh, legal. So kind of like a little, um, yeah, just kind of, I, go, I wear a lot of hats, uh, which is kind of, that's the kind of role that I enjoy. Because if I did one thing, I would not have fun. <laughs> Um, and that, yeah, there's a lot on my plate at work alone. Um, and then you tack on, uh, working out and, um, eating well and, you know, seeing friends and hanging out with a boyfriend and everything. It's like, ah, it's a lot. But, um, I think, you know, like what you said, it's all about preparation. Um, you know, for me, Sundays are a big day of preparation for me. And I actually, I love it. Um, I, if I don't do that on Sundays, I feel so behind all week. I just feel like I don't know what I should be doing. And so Sundays, um, I'll usually have like a long bike ride or a run and then I'll get home, clean, um, grocery shop, et cetera. And then meal prep, but also just like look at the week, week ahead, kind of catch up on emails or just look at my, my um, notes from the past week. And then look at my week ahead and basically I've got like a, you know, journal thing, um, kind of weekly calendar where I write down all my important meetings, um, what I need to have prepped for each of those meetings, um, uh, workouts, what I want my, you know, macros to look like on that day based on my workouts, um, other things that might be popping up in my schedule if it's social or whatever. And so that way I really understand like, here's my calendar, here's what my days look like here's what I need to do to be successful. Um, I do have the luxury of, you know, I don't have any kids or anything. So that's a whole nother ball game, right? I mean, Sammy, I'm sure you, you see that challenge. Um, and I don't know the answer to that, but I mean, you've got a, a good partner where you guys can kind of probably figure out the handoffs there. But to me, it's all about preparation. I'm super organized. Um, so that's a lot of it too. And Honestly, I'm just, I'm passionate about everything that I'm doing and I'm very grateful that I am because I've been in a place where I didn't love my job and it's really hard to go and give it your all when you're like, this is really boring and I'm not challenged and I don't know, you know, you just, it's hard to find that motivation. So I think part of it is I'm in a place in the three key areas of my life right now that I'm super motivated and very passionate about them. So um, that helps drive me and drive my energy. I think I have like higher energy than a lot of people just in general. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I think what I said, preparation, being organized, um, and also learning to ask for help when you need it, right? So that's that's key too. You know, that's, that's actually something I was gonna say. Things, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point too. I want to explore that last little point that you talked about too. But I think one of the areas that you mentioned that you said you've got a little bit more energy than than some other people. I think yeah, we're kind of some people are born with a different motor. But I also think like the healthy lifestyle, you know, the food, yeah, giving yourself, you know, everything that you have set set up in place is really tying into that having that more energy, right? You're not lethargic. Mm -hmm. You're not eating those bad foods that we know they're bad for us and all that kind of stuff too. So I think that really does have a tie in, but the last little point you said there, and I, I'm sorry to cut you off. I didn't mean to. Um, so two little things was you said, learning to say no, which is one thing that Greg will know is like, I am terrible at doing um, because I, I, I love all opportunity and I feel grateful for any opportunity that comes my way. Um, but so one, I want to learn a little bit more about how you have learned to say no. 
But then two, I want to learn about what are some of the things that you've done in your life to recognize maybe when your plan isn't going correctly, maybe when things aren't, maybe you didn't get a chance to plan the entire week on a Sunday. Um, what are some of the things that you do to kind of get yourself back in stride or to get out of whatever supposed funk you might be in, um, in, in order to write the ship? Yeah. Um, so in terms of saying no, and it kind of dovetails with the, the second question, but I used to be very much a people pleaser and, um, said yes to everything, right? So it was part of, part of it was me wanting to be involved in everything and also me wanting to like pleasing everyone. And I just got to a point where like, I was so burned out where I'm like, I'm not enjoying anything. Like I am showing up to this meeting that I'm volunteering for and I'm not in a good mood. Like this is, this is not, I need to stop. And so part of it is figuring out what are your, um, your overall goals, what's like, what's your identity, you know, where do you want to be? And if it fits and if it helps you push you towards your goals and who you want to be, then yeah, let's, let's assess that. If it doesn't, then no, because no matter what, if you say yes to something, that's you also saying no to something else in the future. Right. And so, you know, there's always those trade-offs, but for me, it's, it's really being, um, very diligent in really assessing, okay, do I actually have time to do this and do it well? And if not, that's okay. I can say yes to it maybe later down the road. But if I think these are my three things that I want to focus on for the next year or two, then that's what I'm focusing on. And if it doesn't fit into that, then it's a, it's a no right now. So that's kind of how I've navigated that. It took me a while to get there. That's yeah, a great, it's a great philosophy to have too. And especially like the fact that you said that maybe it's not right now, you know, and, and that's really where I've, I've found yeah. the ability to really have the confidence and the, um, the ability to say no, especially to good mm -hmm. friends or good people. It's like, you know what, maybe not at this moment, but let's, let's re let's revisit three months. Uh, yeah. Or, yeah. or even three weeks. I think people respect that. Yeah. yeah yeah. Sure. As, a, as a former serial people pleaser, and I think something that we all struggle with throughout our lives, um, I think an important lesson for me was understanding that when I tell somebody no, they don't spend the next three weeks feeling like their life is over because Greg Brinkley told them no. Yeah. And, and it's okay to say no, and people understand that, and uh, it's really not that big of a deal, and especially if you've got a strong reason why. And that reason why is just I'm focused on something right now that's just currently more important to me. And yeah. if someone's going to be offended because of that, well, that's on them to be offended. And they can go right. and be offended because you're making the right decision for you. And I think that realization came to me a little bit later in my adulthood, but it's been a, uh, a wonderful thing to be able to adopt and, and fully embrace for sure. Yeah. Well, Sammy, what was the second part of your question? Yeah, sorry, I totally oh, yeah, forgot. I already forgot it. No, 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 you dovetailed it perfectly. Um, <laughs> I think you, it was when you're stuck in a rut, how do you get back out of it, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So basically, I'm always a big fan of, of life hacks and goals and ways that people can optimize performance. And it comes back to that kind of data nerd in me, too. So you talked a little bit about like setting yourself up for success. And I agree, that's something mm -hmm. that I think it takes a long time for people to kind of get their rhythm. And we talked about that earlier. 
But what happens when that rhythm is disrupted? You know, what are some of the things that you found that were useful to you to kind of get you back on track? Yeah, I think for me, a lot of it, um, meditation has been a big factor for me over the past couple of months. I've really dedicated more time into meditating. Um, I use an app called Waking Up by Sam Harris. Mm-hmm. And it, you can do 10 minutes or 20 minutes and it's really easy. I actually like to do it before bed. It helps calm me. Um, but I'll notice like if I'm getting to a place where I'm like, all right, I am very, I'm like, I haven't meditated in a couple of days. I'm getting really agitated. I'm like, I need to take a minute and just chill. Um, I think just through life and stuff, I'm pretty self-aware. Um, so luckily I figure out like if I need to carve out time and meditate, journal, whatever, just to kind of reset myself and really dig in. I'm also open to asking myself the tough questions of like, why are you acting this way? Like really what's going on? Um, And diving into that because otherwise you're just, you know, always putting a bandaid on it and not really resolving the issue. So when life kind of goes sideways, you know, I try to focus on that. Um, Also like talk to friends, family, et cetera, you know, with those kind of things. But if it's just, you know, if it's more related to schedule and just kind of life stuff, um, it's also just sitting back and be like, all right, this is not, I'm not as out of control as I think I am. Let's like, every day is a new day. So let's just chill for a minute and just look at, okay, I've got three days left in the week. What do I need to do? All right, you're fine. Let's like, let's just break it down into little pieces and you'll be okay. Um, so that's a lot of it too, is sometimes I think like I can get overwhelmed by like, my God, so much to do today. And then it's like, if I actually break it down, it's like, okay, this isn't that bad. So part of it's just like getting into my own head, um, and then getting out of my head and be like, you're fine. Like, you know, you've, you've over, you've accomplished other, you know, you've got gone through other weeks like this and you'll be okay. So that's a lot of it too, is like remembering like, no one's going to die because of my work, you know, like all that kind of stuff is just kind of resetting like expectations too. And really being real with yourself. Um, sometimes I have to have a come to Jesus moment with myself and that's okay. Right. Speaking I, of that voice in your head, do you have certain things that like that, that when you get that trigger of whether it's anxiety or being overwhelmed or, or stressed, do you have certain responses that you've trained yourself to be able to kind of attack those thoughts? You have another voice that you that's full of affirmations or or something that you repeatedly kind of remind yourself that helps you to kind of right the ship you know what's funny is through triathlon training and really through my marathon training last year i was also reading the david goggins book um, <laughs> and i forget like something just clicked Cause when I would run, I would get this, like, you know, just the, that voice. Right. And so like, oh, I'm feeling awful. Da, da. And there's just one day where I finally just shut it off. And so my friends always joke that I don't have a governor. <laughs> and I'm like, eh, it might be true. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but through that, I think, so part of the benefit of doing triathlon and, you know, pushing yourself like that is like you, are constantly exceeding your expectations of yourself and you're getting through that stuff. And so you're quieting that voice. And so I honestly do not, it is very rare for me to have any sort of voice like that. And I think a lot of it has just come through 
not listening to it and just shutting it off. I don't know how, well, I mean, I just think it's just through repetition and just, I forget what the thing was with David Goggins book. I mean, there's a lot there, but I was just able to really shut it off. Um, probably not to his level, but um, you know, he has like a philosophy of the cookie jar. And so every time you, you know, like, let's say you're on a hard run and you don't stop, you've got five minutes left and you push through those five minutes, that's a cookie in the cookie jar. So the next time you're on that run and you're dying, you're like, no, I've already, I've done this before. And so it's kind of that stuff of like, I can do this, like, this is fine. Um, I, I pretty much don't have that like, oh, you know, you're not, you're worthless, da, da, da kind of voice in my head anymore. I did, I did deal with that a lot. Um, probably more in like college and after college when I was not in a great place. Um, but I think just through a lot of perseverance, um, that's, that's helped a lot. Yeah. For people that haven't, yeah. for people that haven't read his book, you know, I actually listened to it on podcast or um, ebook, whatever. Yeah. It's a fascinating uh, listen because he also yeah, narrates. To listen to it too. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. He narrates. And then if you haven't, David Goggins, looking him up online, you'll, you'll be, you'll one, be entertained. Um, but two, yeah, he's, he's someone that I, when I listen to that, this very same, very same kind of mindset. Like I, I, I tell people like sometimes when I'm really pushing myself hard, like I kind of zone in and, and black out. And oh, yeah. Like I'm just so, I, I call it the deep water. So I, I take myself into the deep water. And it was a phrase that uh, I think Stipe Miocic, uh, UFC um, heavyweight champion, has said. It's like, I'm going to drag him into the deep water. And I've always loved that phrase. So I use that when I get to those certain hard parts, too. It's like, all right, I'm going to take myself into the deep water. Let's go and, like, buckle down and bury in. So I think it's really cool that you were able to do that through finding mm -hmm. someone that can be inspirational. And the cookie jar analogy is something that it's funny. We use that on our mountain bike rides. So, oh, you do? Oh, yeah. so when we do awesome. a little little trick or a little thing or a little jump or whatever, it's like, yeah, we just got another cookie in the cookie jar. So it just kind of keep going. <laughs> yeah. And I think there's so much to like when you really adopt the mindset and Kara, you've done this through, I think your training and just your life experience of you stop viewing challenges as like obstacles, but as opportunities mm -hmm. to totally. test your character or your, your grit or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And you don't view failure or mistakes as as like the end all be all I failed. You view them as the necessary tools that help you to get past that point of success that you want to keep going and it's growth and activity. And it's just a different mindset. And I think different people come to that at different times. Some people never come to it at all. But when you do, it just completely opens up your life into so many different opportunities and just a different way of just living through joy day to day. And um, I just love hearing you share that. That's that's inspirational and very cool for you to, to to talk about. Yeah, and I think it's translated into work too. It's like when I see I I view life as a puzzle, and I have a saying I'm like I always find a way to get to yes. And so to me, it's like oh, like we don't do it this way. It's like all right, so let's figure out a solution. Like there's really no no, right? There's always going to be like you said barricades, but um, there's always a way to find a solution and just to, to get to the end. So, um, so yeah, but I think it's definitely positively trans translated into work as well. Um, cause you're, I think you're just more creative minded too. Cause you're like, all right, this isn't working. How do we pivot? Where do we go? Um, I think that, that helps a lot as well. 
Well, I think another thing that I wanted to touch on was actually the way that the three of us actually met. And so you yeah. had a heart for caring for others and giving back. And I guess this is probably going back maybe six or seven years ago. I know. I mean, it's, it, <laughs> it, maybe it's that long, maybe it's longer. Um, but Sammy and I worked for an organization called Vogel Alcove, which I still do, um, which serves homeless children and families here in Dallas. And we had started, this is probably going back again, six or seven years ago. A it was 2013 group. when we oh started gosh, working yeah. on it. It was seven years ago. Wow. And, and 2014 uh, is when we formed it. We, uh, we actually met with you um, through mutual friends and just random connections and interviewed you to join our board of directors for our young professionals group, um, which you were one of our rock star, like most impactful members. And to this day, you are still involved with Vogel Alcove and still a supporter in a mm -hmm. variety of ways. So what does it mean to you to give a part of your life into trying to help other people, whether it's through charitable, engagement or just in general what is love and service meant to you in your life yeah i mean i think my parents modeled it really well um we as a family would volunteer um, we'd go to soup kitchens etc so they helped model what it looks like to be active in your community and giving back um and that's just always stuck with me uh, um and just you know regardless of religion or, you know, what your beliefs are, I think everyone can agree that as humans, we're here to help one another um, and to lend a helping hand to those that can't help themselves. And so if it's resources with time or money or, you know, whatever, the ability to give back is really an honor. Um, so that's something that I really enjoy doing. And Vogel, I mean, your guys' cause is just amazing. Um, you know, just the children that you support and giving them an opportunity to life that they wouldn't have. And a lot of it's, you know, their life is not from their actions, right? They were born into that. And so how can you help people who didn't necessarily choose, you know, the life that they were initially given, help them succeed and, and make a global impact. Um, I think that's an amazing opportunity. So yeah, so for me, I mean, that's really important to me. And I try to have that same philosophy just um, with how I interact with people in general, like at work and stuff. It's how can I help you? It's not, here's my, here's what I want to do. Here's my ego. Here's where I want to get to. While I am goal oriented, you know, part of my goal, like I said in my bio, is to also help people around me get to that next level too, because um, that's what I think is important. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of my philosophy there. Yeah, it's one of those things. I mean, it's in lifting other people up. You one from a director, manager, whatever kind of perspective, mm -hmm. I always tell people I'm a people first manager. Like I, I care more about the person because I know if I pour into them, they're going to pour into what they're, what they care about. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's not the job. Sometimes they realize like, Hey, you know what? Like this isn't what I want to be doing. This is, mm -hmm. I'm in the wrong seat or I'm on the wrong bus, you know? And so like, I just care so much about people. And I found that if you lead with that servant leadership mentality, like you're talking about, 
mm-hmm. you really gain so much trust. You gain the ability for people to really want to try harder and do more and serve this kind of higher purpose. So I'm, it's very fascinating that you have that same that same mindset. Where do you think it came from on that side, from the business perspective of like helping other people and not in being also a high achiever? It, one would think that it's kind of two different lanes. Yeah, you know, it actually it was time. Because um, I will say early on in my career, I was not good at that. I was very much focused on being an individual contributor um, and also just being competitive. Um, I don't, I didn't do a good job of, it was always like, how can I position myself to look good? Um, I would help other people, but still I wanted to make sure that I looked better in the situation. And um, actually it's funny, as I came to Armour, um, I was initially um, somewhat of an individual contributor and then really got in, kind of got promoted pretty quickly and started managing a team. Um, and I really realized like how much I enjoy that. I initially was like, oh, I don't want to manage people. Like it's such a pain. And now I'm like, oh, I really love it. I really realized like how much I love coaching people um, and also making sure that they have what they need and having those conversations and being their support person. Um, so it's honestly been over the past year or so where I've really kind of um, matured into that level. I would say I didn't, I didn't do a good job of that initially in my career. Um, and I, I don't know if there was like, I don't think there's a specific book or anything that, um, I mean, I, I, I'm a big reader and podcast person. So I think just through listening to of like, you look at all the great leaders and they're all, the people that are making an impact and that people say great things about them. It's because they, it's how they made them feel and how they supported their group. And so I think that's kind of what dawned on me. I was like, Oh, I can actually have a really great impact and be really supportive of my team and not worry about how I look. Um, I think it just took time for me to get there. There's a, a parable that we quote in our book um, where a farmer is being interviewed and mm-hmm. he's being interviewed because he wins year after year the best corn in the state. And uh, the interviewer realizes that he actually goes and gives his corn seed to all of his neighbors. And they say, why are you giving away your corn seed mm-hmm. when year after year you're winning the best, uh, the best in show? And he says, well, if you know anything about farming, the wind blows the seeds from field to field. So if I'm going to have the best corn, my neighbors need to have the best corn too. They need to have the best seeds as well because it all cross-pollinates. And the whole story about that is the more you help other people, you're going to rise up with them. And I just think that's such a powerful lesson. And and Sammy and I talk about this. A lot of people mentioned that one of the most selfless things you can do is serve others Mm -hmm. because oftentimes the reward and the feeling you get in return is such a level of what's high that um, it's like you're being selfish and helping other people because of the return you get. And so that mindset, whether it's in personal life or in business is just the absolute right way to go. And so I love to hear you talk about that. And I think that was a great question, Sammy, because a lot of people I think don't realize you can be a high achiever and still be focused on making sure that the people around you are your top priority. Very, very cool. Yeah, and I think too, it's like, at the end of the day, we're all a team and we all have one goal, which is to make the company successful and everything. So it's like, just get on the bandwagon and everyone be cool and 
let's all work together. <laughs> that phrase right there, everyone be cool. Like if, yeah. if we can just all do that, I think we're going to be getting somewhere very fast. Well, uh, I'll tell you what was cool was everything that you've talked about since we started, Kara. This has been, uh, it's been inspiring to me and you've already created several new goals in my mind that I'm like, all right, it's time for me to write down and, and set forth and go accomplish. Um, but as we start to kind of wrap up our time today, we have some questions that we want to ask you um, that really kind of go along with the conversation that we've been having. And the first one, you've touched on a little bit, but we're going to ask it again and maybe have you share a specific or two. Okay. During your life, can you share what has been one of your favorite actions, methods, or lessons that you've learned overall in terms of self-growth and development? Hmm. Honestly, I think it's learning to not be a people pleaser because I was so focused on um, making other people happy that I wasn't listening to myself and really owning what made me happy. And so once I let that go and really tried to understand like what makes me happy, um, that's where I've just seen tremendous growth with Ironman, with nutrition with my work um and not worrying about what other people think like really just being like this is who i am and this is what i'm going to own that's the only way that i've been able to really grow successfully and happily it's a great answer that's a that's an inspiring answer too and i wrote that down because I, I love it so much um second question for you here is can you share some advice that has stuck with you over the years um, yeah, so I think there's two things, um, kind of re reverting back to my perfectionist mindset earlier. Um, I list, or I read, um, the growth mindset from Carol Dweck. I, I can't say her last name. And so that as part of, you know, also shifting from like people pleasing to, um, not being as much of a perfectionist and really seeing things as growth opportunities and not like, oh, you pass or fail, because that's how I viewed life and like was always scoring myself and stuff. So being able to pivot into like a growth mindset has been very transformational. Um, and also um, Jocko Willick, I think that's mm -hmm. his last name. He's got a great perspective on discipline. And so his, I'm going to butcher it, but basically freedom is a byproduct of discipline. And so when I finally decided that I'm going to be very disciplined in my life, um, you know, prior to getting the Ironman and everything, I was partying and stuff and just like not happy with what I was doing, but I kind of felt, I was kind of soul searching a little bit, right? Um, and so when I decided to really be disciplined in my workouts, my nutrition, my work, sleeping, you know, meditation, all that, as I, as I incorporate more discipline into my life, the more freedom I have with the decisions I can make, because a lot of my decisions are basically on autopilot. It's like, I don't decide if I'm going to wake up early and work out. That's just something I do. And so as that becomes just a natural habit, um, it allows for me to make better decisions when I actually need to make a, a true decision in, in life or in work or whatever. So I think those two components of just having a growth mindset and also really 
diving into discipline and then seeing how much freedom's on the backside of that, those two elements have been really um, impactful for me. Very cool. Well, oftentimes, Kara, we're asked if you could go back in time and talk to yourself 10 years ago, what advice would you tell yourself? We're going to flip that question. So if you could go forward in time and you had the chance to talk to yourself 10 years from now, what advice would you give yourself? What would you tell yourself that maybe you want to encourage them to continue to be doing or what suggestions are just words of wisdom would you share with yourself in the future? Huh. Um, so let's say, well, I, I don't know where I'll be, but maybe I have a family and kids at that point, probably. Um, probably just to not feel guilty for looking for your own satisfaction and happiness. Cause I think that's something that I've heard cause I've not been a parent, but I think that's something that is a challenge, especially for women who are career oriented is you start to feel guilty for also pursuing your career while having a family. And I'll probably want to still be doing triathlons or running or something. So not feeling guilty for still wanting to, live my life and in, 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 you know alongside my family but yeah and I think part of that too is those are the elements that help me be my best person so if I'm gonna be the best wife the best mom that I can be I need to also have those outlets and those things that help me grow that's pretty powerful yeah. awesome that's awesome great. answer and it, it just it Every time we've asked somebody this question, the response is giving me like chills mm -hmm. and that yours was right along there with it. I love that. We'll see you in 10 years. <laughs> we'll play this back to you. Right. Sammy, you want to jump into some actionable items and takeaways from our conversation? Yeah. So typically what we do is come up with about two or three different things that we've taken away. And, and Carrie, it's been amazing times talking to you and you know, we've known each other for, gosh, what we say now, like six years or so, yeah, seven years yeah. seven years now. But I don't think we've ever been able to really sit down and dig into some of the, the nitty gritty details like we have tonight. So I'm just honored that you were able to make some time to be able to spend it with us and to share it with everyone that's following what we're doing. And, and we've always known that you were a, a high achiever, a great person and someone that, that we really enjoyed being around. So thank you very much uh, for doing that. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really enjoyed it. So. And this isn't the last time either. So we have, we, I know we have a lot more we can uncover for sure. But I want to share my actionable tips. Um, so number one, you mentioned a long time ago, uh, right at the very start, was just making a plan for your meals uh, when we were talking about that. Because I alluded to the story about being so busy with kids and stuff like that too. Mm -hmm. But just, again, making that plan, be it from all the way from the grocery store, all the way down to like the meal prep. You know, like if people start to put that time into to planning it out, then I think it makes things a lot easier. It kind of goes mm -hmm. on autopilot, like you mentioned. Um, the second thing you mentioned was um, you didn't know what you were doing uh, when you did the first Ironman. And I think that a lot of people jump into things and they don't know what they're doing. So the process of learning uh, is exciting and it's fun. But then when you're looking to accomplish those goals that you set forth for yourself, don't 
don't feel like you can't get a coach and your whole kind of transformation into this much better athlete happened when you got a coach. So I, I love that. You know, I, I love the fact that you were able to do that and, and had the, the self-awareness to say like, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. Let me yeah. go find someone who does. Um, and then the last thing uh, that I took down was just the ability to give back as an honor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love that phrase. Um, and I think more people as they change their mindset or maybe they free up their lives to be able to do more giving back or maybe make that a priority to use that phrase with them, the ability to give back as an honor because it was, it's a pretty impactful statement. And I think uh, between the three of us, like, I feel like we know that, but there's a lot of people that maybe haven't gotten there just yet. And so uh, I hope they can take that and learn from that, that phrase. Well, Sammy, as always, you picked up on things that, um, that I definitely wanted to share. So I, my, uh, <laughs> uh, my sentiments on everything you said are, are dead on. Um, so for the sake of providing three additional uh, tips, Kara, I love how you talked about um, always find a way to say yes, especially for those important things that really, really matter is don't just accept that first obstacle and that first no, but pivot, be smart, work around and find ways um, to make things happen. I love that. Um, In terms of your preparation, especially on Sundays, I love that you said, I'm going to sit down and identify what I need to do to be successful this week. So what does success mean for me and how am I going to do that in my planning? And so you're, you're not just writing down, just taxing things you have to get done, but what needs to be done to be successful? Um, and, and then I love the last thing that you said in terms of the question that we asked you about your future self and don't feel guilty really about the decisions you make and the, the directions that you're going in life because of maybe the opportunity cost and maybe what you're giving up to do that. And I think that's something that's very easy for a lot of people to get stuck in is, well, I'm going this way in my life, but I feel bad because I didn't do A, B, and C, maybe because my family or just the world tells me that I need to be doing those things. But am I happy with where I'm at? And if that answer is yes, and, and maybe not happy is the right answer, but if I'm full of joy, if I'm, if I'm joyful in my life, then put that out. Don't feel that guilt and keep moving forward. So I love this. This was, Kara, this was awesome. This was such a good conversation. And like Sammy said, I don't think we've ever really just gotten real deep into some of these conversations and topics. And I think you shared a lot of things that people are going to be able to take some great tips and really just rethink the way they go about things. I think this is going to be a really helpful podcast for people to listen to. Great. Well, I appreciate the time and it's been a joy and honor to uh, talk with both of you. I look forward to the next one. Like Sammy said, we'll do it again and we'll do it again soon and have you back on and maybe next time you can give me a nutrition plan. uh, (laughs) Here we go do that live on the show and and uh, you can hold me accountable to it there we go so <laughs> on that note promotional items we always want our guests to, to be able to take this time to say whatever they want to so do you have anything that you, that you want the audience to know or like where people can find you online for your nutrition coaching do you have something you want to promote it's it's your stage to to uh do the same the shameless self-promotion yeah, um, I don't have like a, a website right now, but they can find me on Instagram. I'm at the Kara Brown, um, and it's my program's called Body by KB. Um, otherwise, they can um, like I think comment on YouTube or something, and I can reach out to them with email and and do that way. So, but yeah, I appreciate it. 
Awesome. Very good. And I guess then, Sammy, we should shamelessly pull up, plug our stuff. So That's definitely right. go to www.livetpg.com where you can purchase the book, The Pursuit of Growth, that we've referenced several times during this show. Um, and on that website, you can also follow us on all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, and YouTube. That's right. I think you hit all the highs, Greg. Great. Um, <laughs> so with that, we're going to wrap up tonight. Kerrigan, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, so much fun. And we look forward to seeing you again very soon. Yeah. Thank you, guys. All right. With that, we're out of here. Peace. Have a good night. Bye. Bye.